After these deeds of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water from the springs which were outside the city. And then they held them up. This, thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs and the brooks that ran through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Syria come and find much water? And he strengthened himself, built up all the wall that was broken, raised up all the towers, and built another wall outside. Also he prepared the Milo in the city of David, and he made weapons and shields in abundance. Thank you for your attention. Good to see you all out with us this morning. Wyatt, good job. That's a, that's a hard thing to do for a young man to stand up and to read. Um, some difficult names in there, but you did a good job with it. And it's, uh, it's, encouraging. it's encouraging to me to see the courage that a young man has to stand up and to read God's Word in front of others. And I hope that is a fire that burns within you the rest of your life. Welcome to everyone else who's here this morning. A special welcome to the fathers. Happy Father's Day to you all. It is encouraging to see the example that you are setting for your families as you take on the important role that God has given each of us as fathers to train up our children in the ways of God, and to set an example for them that's going to lead them closer to him. And so it's good to see you all. A special welcome to you this morning, and I hope you enjoy your day, and hopefully you get to spend some time with your children on this special day for fathers. So welcome to everyone. Thank you for being here. I'm going to ask you to open your your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs chapter 25 We're going to read just one verse in Proverbs 25 this morning, and it's going to set the stage for the conversation that we're going to have together. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 28. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Now, I read from the New King James. If you read from the ESV or the New American Standard, or I believe the NIV as well, you'll see the word self-control in there, something along the lines of whoever has no self-control is like a city broken down without walls. This is a, a thought that has been in my mind now for a couple of weeks, dating back to camp a couple of weeks ago. And I use this passage to talk to the kids in our cabin one evening about the importance of self-control in their lives. And it made me realize that whether you're eight-year-old, whether you're eight years old, or whether you're one of the oldest people in this congregation, self-control is an idea, it's a topic, it's a characteristic that has to be studied frequently and seriously as followers of God. And it struck me so because of how often it's seen in Scripture. 
In Proverbs, you see either directly or alluded to so many times. In the pages of the New Testament, in Titus chapter 1 and verse 8, as Paul there writes in regards to the qualifications of elders, they are to be men who are self-controlled. When Paul was seeking to teach Felix and Drusilla in Acts chapter 24 and verse 25, he, he taught them righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6, as we are given characteristics of a God-fearing person, we see that we are to add to our faith virtue, to our virtue knowledge, and to our knowledge self-control. This is an idea that in the pages of the Old Testament and the New Testament it is consistent. It is something that God sees as extremely important in the life of someone who is going to seek to follow him, to be self-controlled. But I love so much the image that is conjured up in our minds as we read Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28, that someone who lacks self-control or as someone who lacks a rule over their own spirit, they are like a city broken down without walls. What, what, does that, what image does that conjure up in your mind as you think about the Old Testament times and the different cities that were talked about throughout the Old Testament? As Wyatt read for us just a few moments ago, when Hezekiah recognized that the city was going to be attacked, what did he do? He, he cut off the water stream to try and prevent them from, from getting the water that they needed as an enemy approach. But then what did he do? He built up the portions of the wall that were broken down. And not only that, but he began to build another wall around them. Because he knew how important that security was that those walls would offer his city. You think about Nehemiah. As he returns to Jerusalem, and what was the purpose of his return? It was to rebuild the walls of the city. Well, why was that so important? Why, why did they need the walls rebuilt? It was because the temple of God had been constructed, and it sat now in the middle of Jerusalem, but it was vulnerable. It was exposed to outside forces because there were no walls to protect it. As God led his people to the promised land, and they famously marched around the city of Jericho, what did God miraculously do for them so that they could gain entrance and defeat the people of Jericho? He brought the walls tumbling down. See, walls represented security and protection around a city. And just the opposite of that is the picture that's painted here for us of someone who lacks self-control in their lives. Instead of protected and secure and fortified, a city with broken down walls, that is a city that is, 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 is reveling in chaos. They are vulnerable, they are defenseless, they are exposed. It's a dangerous place to be and a place that no one would want to live for very long. Even in the days of Nehemiah, it wasn't until after the walls were constructed that people were brought to live within the city. They needed that protection that those walls offered. And so it is in the lives that we live today. If self-control is not something that defines you, 
if it's not a characteristic that you embody and that you put into practice, your life will be defined as chaos, as vulnerable, as susceptible to the enemy, as defenseless and exposed. A dangerous place to be. It's time and time again we see in Scripture that there is a battle being waged for your soul. And without self-control, your soul sits exposed, just as the temple of God did in the city of Jerusalem when the walls still laid in ruins. Your soul is susceptible to the evil one. Your soul is susceptible to temptation and to attack. And so it is crucial that we spend time thinking about the role that self-control plays in the defense of our soul. God sees it as something that cannot be ignored, something that we must give serious consideration to. And so I want to give you just three things this... Maybe I'll give you three things this morning. I want to give you three things to think about this morning in regards to how we can practice self-control. Because just like with any other muscle we may want to strengthen, in order for us to build up self-control, it has to be tested. We need to provide some form of resistance. We need to practice practice and train to be a more self-controlled and a more self-disciplined person as we seek to follow God in our daily walk. And the first one is, again, something that actually came up in one of our studies uh, at camp a couple of weeks ago. The Bible class lesson that we did on Friday referenced this passage in Luke chapter 16 and verse number 10. And in, in that lesson, we were talking about how it's important to prepare for days of adversity. Our theme for the week was standing strong in the day of adversity, and Friday's morning's lesson was centered around preparing for that day. Not every day is a day of adversity, so what can we do in advance of those times to prepare ourselves for that? And I think what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 16 and verse 10 is a really powerful tool that we can use as we seek to develop self-control Within our lives. So flip over to Luke chapter 16 with me. It's a very short passage. Luke chapter 16 and verse number 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. When you think about self-control from the spiritual context in which we're talking about it this morning, naturally our minds are going to go to worst-case scenario. Temptation is knocking at my door. Evil is face-to-face with me, and I now have to make a decision about what I'm going to do. And in those moments, we have to be able to control some of the urges that we may have. We have to have control over the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. We need to be able to control anger and other emotions that may come up in those moments. 
But we don't want that to be the first time that we've given consideration to the fact that we have to exercise control in those moments. And so the lesson that Jesus gives us here is one in which we can practice in moments where the stakes are much lower. If you can train yourself to exercise self-control in more quote-unquote trivial matters, and I'm going to use that word accommodatively, but if we can train ourselves to exercise self-control in those matters, then we are training that to be a characteristic that we can then employ when the worst-case scenario confronts us. And so, when it comes to things like controlling what you eat, or getting up in the morning when you really don't want to, or doing things in that vein, those are things that we can easily think of as trivial, and for the most part they are. But I want you to think about the benefit that can come from training yourself to exercise self-control and self-discipline in those moments. Because if you can train yourself in those moments when the stakes are low, then you are preparing yourself for the moments in which the stakes couldn't be higher. Perhaps it doesn't make any difference whether you get up at 6 or 7 in the morning. I don't believe that your soul depends on that. But can you get yourself up at six? Can you exercise the self-control and the self-discipline to do it even if you don't want to? Those are the moments in which God gives us an opportunity to prepare ourselves. Use the little things, quote-unquote, to prepare yourself for the big things. Train yourself. Exercise that muscle of self-control. And in doing so, you will be ready when evil knocks on your door. You will be ready when emotions flare. You'll be ready when temptation confronts you. Because you've developed characteristics of self-control in your life. You've prepared for that time. Secondly, it's important that we do what we're say we do we do what we say we are going to do. Self-control allows us to be honest when it isn't very easy. There are going to be times where we're confronted with an opportunity, we're tempted to bend the truth, to outright lie, whatever word you want to use in there for lying. We're going to be tempted in those ways. And some of those ways may seem insignificant to us in the moment. They are not. It's self-control that allows us to be honest, even when that's hard to do. And so as Christians, it's important that we train ourselves to do what we say we're going to do. If you have told yourself or someone else that you're going to do something, do it, no matter how small it may seem. But those opportunities, and that's what they are, they are opportunities that are being put in front of you, give you an opportunity to develop self-control and to instill that in yourself. And the more we take advantage of those opportunities, the more natural it's going to become to us. 
And lying will become much less appetizing. The idea of quote unquote, and I hate this phrase, bending the truth. It's not, that has no place in the life of a Christian. And self-control plays a role in helping us be the type of person who can say, my yes means yes, and my no means no. And it's self-control that helps build that characteristic within us. Self-control is what helps us develop a heart of honesty and to become someone that others can trust. And then finally, in Matthew chapter 16, in verse number 24, this is my favorite one of the bunch. In Matthew chapter 16, in verse number 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, think about what he's saying. If anyone desires to come after me, if anyone desires to follow Jesus Christ the Messiah, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself. He might as well have said, let him exercise self-control. Let him deny himself. You need to have control over the urges that arise within us. And just like with anything else, practice and discipline is what leads to results. So if you want to get stronger, you're going to have to do hard things. If you want to be a more self-controlled person, you're going to have to do hard things. And as Christians, our lives should be defined as people who are willing to do hard things. Because if it's not, if it's not, if that isn't something that defines you, I don't know how you're going to find the narrow gate that leads to heaven. I don't know how you're going to stand up in the face of temptation. As fathers, I don't know how you're going to have difficult conversations with your children. As mothers, I don't know how you're going to submit to your husbands and be the presence in your home that you need to be. As children, I don't know how you're going to be obedient to your parents. Those things are hard. Christians do hard things. We do hard things because we see the value in doing hard things. It strengthens our resolve. It trains us to keep our emotions under control. It trains us to keep our urges under control. It trains us to resist temptation when it presents itself to us. Don't shy away from hard things. Whether they seem small or whether they seem large, don't shy away from hard things. The value that can be found in preparing yourself through struggling in difficult things cannot be overstated because it gives you an opportunity to be that self-controlled person that God calls you to be. Because remember, without it, You're vulnerable.
Without it, you're exposed. Without it, your soul is at risk. But that self-control that can be trained and developed and built up within us creates that fortified wall around you. Because listen, Ephesians chapter 6, there's a reason we have to put on armor. It's because we're engaged in a battle against evil. In 1 Peter chapter 5, we are called to resist our adversary, the devil, and to stand firm. In James chapter 4, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We have to have that fortification around us to protect ourselves so that we can stand firm against these things. Because a city broken down without walls can't stand against anything. A city broken down without walls is susceptible to anyone and anything that may come to do it harm. And we are facing the greatest adversary that the world has ever seen. And he is coming for your soul. With that picture in mind, how much work are you willing to do to fortify your soul? How much work are you willing to put in to create the barrier that can provide protection between you and that adversary? Self-control is at the foundation of that protection that can be provided. But just like it says in Proverbs chapter 25, I really appreciate the way that the New King James words it. Because it talks about someone who doesn't have rule over their own spirit. If you are to look in the mirror and look deep within yourself, are you someone who has rule? over your spirit? Are you someone that is in control, that's willing to do hard things, that is putting in the work, even in the quote-unquote little things, to make sure that you're building that wall strong around your soul? Is that something that defines you? Is that something that describes you? My hope is that it does. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 In verse number 13, Paul there assures us that God will provide for us a way of escape when temptation confronts us. I couldn't help but think throughout the study of this over the past couple of weeks as my mind has been on this topic, how often that way of escape is self-control. But if we haven't been preparing for that moment, and those walls aren't going to be built, your city's not going to be fortified. And the way that God has given you to prepare yourself and to defend against the adversary is going to be broken down and in ruins. He gives us an opportunity to defend against these things. We need to take seriously the call of the scripture to train ourselves in these areas. To strengthen our resolve that through the strength that God provides, we can fortify our soul in such a way that Satan cannot, cannot get to it.
That's the promise that God makes. That if we allow Him to be our strength and our guide, we listen to the words that He's given to us in regards to how He wants us to live our lives and the characteristics that He wants us to have, we will be secure in Him. As we conclude this morning, one of the things that I want to ask you to think about is the role that self-control plays in giving your life to God. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you're doing when you confess Christ as your Savior, and you repent of your sins, and you are baptized for the forgiveness of those sins. You are denying yourself. You are putting to death the old man of sin, the one that has ruled your life. And you are yielding yourself to the will of Christ. That's the very definition of self-control. And so not only does self-control play a crucial role in our defense mechanisms against Satan, it's also something that we have to give serious consideration to when we become a Christian. We understand what it means to yield. We understand what it means to lay my life at the foot of the cross. I have to deny myself and follow him. But I do that because I understand how important that is. I do that because I understand the gift that has been extended to me. I do that because I understand the spiritual and eternal ramifications. So if you're, if you're here this morning and you've never become a child of God, I'm pleading with you to exercise the self-control that it takes to deny yourself, to take up your cross, and to follow Christ. And it is a decision that you will never regret. It is, it is a decision that will pay dividends in this life and the one to come. Because once you become a child of God's, and you put that old man of sin to death that we talked about a moment ago, and you rise up a new creature, you are free of sin. You are perfect in the eyes of God. He has taken that sin away. He has saved you. And you now have the opportunity to walk hand in hand with him for the rest of eternity. There is no greater decision to be made. And if you've been thinking about making that decision, I hope you'll do that this morning. Maybe you have done that, but as we talked about some of the things, maybe you realize that you're not a person of self-control. That you haven't strengthened those walls around your soul that God calls you to fortify. Think about ways in which you can practice self-control. Think about the ways you can practice self-discipline. And make it a point from this day forward that you will not leave your soul exposed to Satan. And if you need to make your relationship right with God, I beg that you will do that this morning in whatever way necessary. You can do that from your seat. If you feel as if it's something that you would benefit from the, the encouragement and the prayers of this congregation, we would invite you to come forward. In whatever way we can help you this morning, please let us know as we stand and sing.